This is the hiring brief. Hello and welcome to this episode of the hiring brief. Today we're going to talk about a strategy that's helping companies to grow revenue, fill technical skill gaps, keep costs low, and scale tech teams in the unforgiving, fast-paced environment of technology. Build, operate, transfer is a new wave in the tech industry, and it is an exciting strategy for managers and VP of operations looking to hire their next all-star developer team and reach the company's next milestone. Just imagine this scenario. You're heading a tech company that has reached a point that demands growth. You see potential, momentum, and the opportunity to leap forward. This begs the question, how do you reach the next milestone without expending all your resources or compromising your current operations? After all, hiring and establishing a presence in a foreign low-cost market can be quite a logistical nightmare. And how do you find the right talent to that fits your company needs and goals? The BOT model has proven to be an excellent solution for this common growing pains problem. Here at Colorslink, we've been at the forefront of helping US tech companies to expand their operations using Latin America's, especially Mexico's, now widely known as bustling tech hubs in places like Mexico City, Monterrey, and Guadalajara. We've had extensive success with the VOT model propelling tech companies into their next investment phase and milestone. That's why I invited Jesus Lopez, co-founder at Coderslink, to help us understand this strategy and how you can implement it. Welcome Jesus and thank you for joining us today. Doing good, thank you for having me. Well, thank you. And I want to dive right in and ask you, how do you define build operating transfer? So the shortest way that I could define the build operating transfer model is basically nearshoring on training wheels. And what I mean with that is it allows a company to be able to create a team, a tech team from scratch, even if it's the first time they've ever done it with the help of an IT partner that has done it before, operate it successfully, and then integrate all HR management into their day-to-day -day operations. So you can say that it is similar to outsourcing. Yeah, so it, it basically helps companies that are that haven't had uh, an experience with nearshoring be comfortable about it and reduce the risk that something will go wrong. So they, the, the partner company usually has the policies, the HR policies, the remote work policies, the engineering management uh, policies in place for them to be able to do so effectively and like I said, will will reducing the risk that something will go wrong, and that and things that can go wrong are, you know, developers not working correctly, the team not being integrated, um, and whatnot. Okay, so you're saying that this is an alternative for outsourcing without the risk associated with it. So, as an alternative, I wouldn't call it an alternative of outsourcing. It would. I would rather see it as a subset of outsourcing. So let's remember that outsourcing as a whole, uh, first of all, it's one of the terms that it's not very well you know, understood. I think it's very misunderstood. And there's just a lot of different subsegments of outsourcing that aren't really known by the larger you know, business community. And, and the build operate transfer is basically a subset of nearshoring. So you would see outsourcing as a first level, nearshoring as a second level, and then bought as 
a, a tactic to be able to get or do nearshoring. Oh, all right, I get it. So build, operate, transfer has different phases implicit in the name, but can you tell us more about each of these different stages of BOT? Definitely. So this is this is the nuts and bolts of, of the build, operate, transfer model. And, and like the name calls it, it's based on three stages, the build, the operate, and the transfer. It usually takes anywhere from 18 or 36 months uh, to go to a whole bot process with the most intensive part being the operated operating part and this is where the structure and trial and error happens but let's dive deep you know the first part is the build stage this is basically where everything gets built you know if you will there is like an in-depth understanding of what the business goals are what the technical requirements are what the company culture you want to adapt to that team this is where the IT partner also builds the team and the office. So they make sure that they're able to source the talent, secure the office space, secure the equipment, manage and implement all the HR functions. So setting up and, and deciding on policies, setting up and deciding on strategies. This is where all of that happens. And you can see this phase as basically creating those initial teams for them to be able to grow and, and sustain them by themselves into the future. The second stage is the operate stage. This is where everything that has to do with HR management and career path is developed and implemented. So specifically payroll and benefits, you know, the staffing, performance management, uh, equipment, and not only doing it for on an ongoing basis at that point, but also setting the building blocks for that for that to be able to be done into the future repeatedly. That is the most important part of this operating stage, and this is why it's the most crucial part of everything. Uh, and this is a stage where policies are also standardized. So job policies, you know, what, what are the salaries? What are the salary increases? What are the career paths? What are the expectations? Uh, what are the management uh, policies as well. So this is where all that takes place. And, and like I mentioned, this is the most intensive part because it's a lot of trial and error. And finally, it's the transfer stage. This is basically the stage where the team has reached operating capacity and it's ready to be handed off by the IT partner into the hiring company for full management, for full inter internal management. So what does this mean? It means that the IT partner no longer manages anything that has to do with the team. They basically step aside and hand the complete team off to, to the hiring company. Uh, usually teams, IT partners, I'm sorry, stay on as on a support capacity. And that can be as a support capacity to any policy that might be unclear or for helping hiring companies get more talent. So, and in a nutshell, that is, you know, the build, operate, and transfer model specifically. Okay. Now you touched on some of the challenges that companies can address using this strategy, but I want to know how this nearshore model can help companies looking to build a remote tech team and how specifically BOT lowers the risk in hiring offshore. Definitely. So challenges the main challenges that companies face today with nearshoring is being able to do so in an organized and scalable manner and and the biggest risk 
for companies doing that is investing and not getting you know a return on their investing and, and the return on their investing investment can come in terms of performance can come in terms of you know reducing support uh tickets or you know reducing their their technical roadmap they might come in a, in a lot of in a variety of different ways uh but this strategy blake basically eliminates all the unknown factors of building a near short team because you have folks and you basically have an it partner that has done it before so they already have basically a turnkey solution that you can just come in adapt to what you're looking for and what your needs as a company are in that specific moment in time and then succeed from there so this is why the bot strategy has also been very popular you know in the past two three maybe even four years because companies are seeing that there's a huge opportunity nearshoring in company in countries like Mexico, but the bot is is is, is making that easier for them as well. Uh, you know, specifically, if we dive deep into specific challenges for you know for you know stakeholders, it basically reduces the the risk of of a long i long term IT investment. You know, that would be the, 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 the most concise way of putting it. From what I gather, it sounds like BOT model is better suited for medium-sized companies and startups. Um, but is there an ideal size of companies for this strategy? Definitely. Any any company of all sizes can decide to employ a, 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 a bot strategy, a bot model strategy. At CoderSync, we recommend more medium and large companies to deploy the strategy. The reason being is that this strategy is a long-term strategy. So companies and, you know, small companies and startup companies are usually not seeing, are, are seeing in the short or medium term, they're usually working towards getting a, a bridge investment or working to get, uh, you know, to hit some milestones. So they might not be working 100% for the long-term view. And I'm talking about, you know, a year and a half, two years in advance. Uh, like I said, the, the, the model usually takes anywhere from 18 to 36 months. That's a long-term commitment. So companies that are already established and are looking to get to reap the full benefits of getting a near short team in place are those that are best suited to deploy this strategy. Um, these are the people that will get the biggest ROI from doing this. And, and, and you know, large and medium companies usually do that for supporting tech teams, and that might be secondary teams that support their internal, you know, headquarters teams, uh, tech support teams, or developer operations teams. All of these, all of these uh, positions and roles that are suited to help them either meet you know demand peaks or you know increase their their time to market, uh, reduce technical debt, or reduce their overhead, overhead costs uh, of deploying a team like that. So again, summarizing, large companies and medium companies are usually the best suited uh, to do this, to implement this strategy, given the long-term view that it takes. Thank you for explaining that. Now, there are some folks out there searching and comparing the best strategies to build a tech team. But what are some advantages and disadvantages of this build, operate, transfer model? So in terms of advantages, I will look, I will, 
I will say that it again reduces the risk of a long-term IT teams investment. It also taps into a nearshore talent pool, so it gives you access to a wider array of talent. It also gives you access into an IT partner's history and knowledge on building remote tech teams. And that includes the policies, that includes the, the payroll and benefits management, that includes the office equipment, logistics, and everything that goes with that. And finally, I would say that once you've completed the bot, you also get the fact that you are still working with an IT partner that is able to deliver consistent talent if you need that. So those are some of the advantages that I see to the strategy, uh, you know, without without taking into account the diversity and, you know, close and scale gaps. And I think that that's more about the outsourcing part. But I mean, they're also important to consider when you're evaluating the bot model because you're effectively evaluating as well nearshore. Uh, in terms of disadvantages, I would say that uh, the long-term commitment is very important. So I think that, that the disadvantages of this strategy is it's to be able to get the full benefits is not as, you know, it, it's not it's not recommended for companies that are not a, able to do that long-term investment. Uh, also, companies that are not clear with what they're doing and what they want to accomplish with this might suffer because of changing priorities, which get basically have, which can basically lead a company to linger in the operating stage, basically just cycling through that, you know, restructuring and restructuring and changing different policies and changing different talent. Um, another disadvantage of this strategy would be the learning curve of the different teams that might be that might be short or long depending on how well versed you are in terms of doing outsourcing and and how that you know fits into your broader strategy but i will say i mean there's just a lot of companies that use that have been starting to use remote tech teams for you know filling you know, filling skill gaps or increasing operating capacity. So more than advantages and disadvantages, I see, I, I would, I would recommend our, our audience and people that are listening to this to view it as a tool, view this as a tool in their toolkit for them to, to deploy based on any business requirement on any, on any business strategy that, that they're looking to, to fulfill. All right. It sounds to me that there are more advantages than disadvantages. But, well, without sourcing, we often hear about reducing labor costs. But how exactly that happens with the VOT model? Yeah, and you touched on an interesting point, uh, you know, with that comment. And, you know, traditional outsourcing has the disadvantages, you know, cultural differences and whatnot. So it's also important to take those into, into account. But I don't see them as big factor nowadays i see the world is starting to become a global village which you know that's a nice segue to the labor cost question that you just asked uh, and, and that's the main point of bot reducing labor costs and and outsourcing in general is we have different economies you know different economies uh, that that create uh, a labor 
arbitrage scenario. So what that means is the cost of living in Mexico is not the same as the cost of living in the U.S. As it as that's not the same as in Canada or Colombia or Costa Rica. So th those those differences in economies allow for this labor arbitrage that reduces effectively labor costs anywhere between 40% and 60% on salary alone. Uh, and that permeates to the other things like, you know, the benefits costs are also lower because again, the economies of scale work differently and it also reduces not only the labor costs in terms of, of monetary value, but it also reduces the cost in terms of, of, of time because it, re, it removes the operating part, like I said. So that means HR management as, as a whole. And that reduces the time that your internal team has to work doing that. So it, it also reduces time based on that. It also reduces labor costs, I'm sorry, based on that factor as well. And all the thing that all the work that you have to do in creating policies and understanding the market is also time that that uh, an IT partner has already spent. So you basically get an injection of knowledge, which also can result in, in, in reducing labor costs. And it's implicit labor costs because you will never see that in your PL. But it's something that you take into advantage. And I'm sorry, you take into consideration whenever you're analyzing a strategy because even though you can't see it, it will impact. It will impact your timelines. It will impact, you know, your understanding of your whole operation. It will reduce the time that you really reap the benefits of employing this strategy. So that's how the BOT model reduces labor costs. Okay, so now that we understand how this strategy works, I want to know, and I think folks out there wants to know, how does anyone goes about implementing this strategy and what are the steps to do it? Sure, that's that's a great question in terms of, of, of you know, tactical one, two, three steps. And the, the first that I would say is uh, up, the first thing and the most important thing, and, and I won't even go through the, through the BOT different sort of like um, stages within themselves i I'll, i'm, I'm going to give you the the the, bef the before and this is the one of the most important things that i that i tell our partners whenever they come to us is the first thing that you have to go before implementing that you have to do before implementing this strategy is get your house in order and what that means is understand what the core operations what what the the what the core activities are in your company, what the core activities are for your service or product that no one else can do, that no one else should do, that you need to do yourself. That is the first and most important thing because knowing what those activities are will allow you to understand what part of your operation you can start to delegate and you can start to outsource. And that will start, that will inform your strategy in implementing something like this, it will tell you, hey, you can, you can, maybe you can outsource your technical support team, or maybe you can outsource your maybe full stack developers. Uh, but if you are not approaching a strategy like this from that point, it will be very difficult to be able to tie it back to what you're looking for. So I would say that is the first step: understanding what your core activities are, understanding what uh, tasks you can outsource or delegate, and from there. I would go into that is the current state and then i would go i would go analyze in the second stage in the second step i'm sorry i would go analyze what's the future state 
So what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to reduce costs? Are you trying to increase your you know, technical capacity? What is the goal? Setting that goal, understanding that goal, understanding what will lead to that goal, setting some KPIs or maybe setting some, some achievables, some milestones that you want to reach. That will also inform your strategy and, and give you a benchmark for whenever you're deploying the strategy to understand if you're reaching that goal or if you're, or if you are, or if you have to adjust to be able to reach that goal. Um, after those two, the third step that I recommend would be to shop around, uh, really dive deep into different IT partners and different IT service providers that have and or deployed or or have deployed this strategy before. And really dive deep into the details. So what details am I talking about? You know, what's the talent pool? Have you done it effectively? Uh, how have you how have you done it before, you know, for teams that are, you know, medium-sized, maybe large companies? How long did it take? You know, there's some examples. So I would shop around what are the costs, of course, and what are the their interview their interview process to understand exactly how they vet their talent. So I would do that. And then finally, once you've decided, just basically jump in and, and be, be really transparent about your needs, be very transparent and very flexible in terms of what your IT partner recommends. And you should have no problem. Since you mentioned going around to look for a good partner that provides build, operate and transfer services, I'm curious about what makes Coderslink a competitive provider and why would you say it stands out from the rest? That's a great question. And, and it's and one of the questions that I love, because of course I, I love talking about Coderslink. Uh, but you know, jokes aside, we've grown bot teams in Guadalajara, Monterrey, Mexico City, uh, of more than 40 people. We have a pool of over 15,000 vetted candidates that help our partners shorten their recruitment timeframes. We have saved companies over you know, $1.2 million in 12 months. Uh, we've done this before. And, and this is that's sort of like the facts. One of the, the things that is a little bit intangible, but I'm very proud of and, and I really like about QuarterSync is we really think of our clients, our partners. So we really adjust and mold ourselves to what our, our partners need. And it's not a cookie cutter approach. It's more of a, let's see what your needs are. Let's see what we can do and let's see how we can work together. So that's one of the things that I love the most about CoderSync and, and of our work with our partners. And we're constantly, a good example is with a company that we've been working a lot this year. It's and and we basically molded ourselves to their approach. We we did some changes into our in, into our, our 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 usual structure that has been working wonders for them. And I mean they've been hiring, you know, almost weekly uh, after we we've implemented those changes. So in a nutshell, and and I'm a firm believer that there are a lot of service providers that could be able to to give or provide this this BOT model but the thing that that we most that we most you know help companies or that allows us to stand out from other service providers is you know our, our service level our service level our commitment and of course our track record 
In summary, Codeslink biggest differentiator is its high level of customization to the needs of each company and of course the quality of talent in the community. Thank you for Jesus uh, for joining us in this episode and if you want to ask more questions you can look him up on LinkedIn. Definitely, you know, happy to be here and, and and like you said if there's any any questions, you know, feel free to reach at my LinkedIn or even just shoot me an email. My name is Jesus Lopez at coreslink.com so you can do that. You can find that what that there. And you know, looking forward to the next one. Looking forward to the next one too. And for you listening, thank you as well. And remember that you can find a link in this episode description with a tool that will help you plan your budget, your hiring budget better. For now, this has been The Hiring Brief.